so I have I also put my stuff in 16 font because I have trouble seeing anyway uh, Hebrews 6 18 and 19, or 19 and 20. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entered in, into on that within the veil, whether the forerunner is, forerunner is for us entered in, even Jesus made a high priest forever after order of Melchizedek. We have an anchor. And thank you for that song. And that song has some more refrains. It's not in the book. I'd like to read those to you. It's very uh, moving. It will firmly hold in the floods of death when the waters cold chill our latest breath. On the rising tide, it can never fail while our hopes abide within the veil. When our eyes behold through the gathering light, the city of gold, our harbor bright. We shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore. I thought that was really, uh, really a nice song. And uh, many scriptures depict our life and our walk through, through, through this world as a pilgrimage or a journey. On our journey through life, we pass many changing scenes. Uh, there will be times of sadness, sorrows, trials, discouragements, tribulation in our life. And we've all experienced these things in our life already. We've been there. In this text, God tells us through the words of Paul, we have an anchor for our soul. Uh, anchor of a ship goes downward. Those who've been on a ship, it goes downward. Those have been on a cruise ship, sometimes you go to a port and you can't go into the dock and you drop an anchor and it keeps that ship there from drifting out to sea. So we have an anchor, but our anchor for the soul goes up, upward, and grips the solid ground. That the one that's we, the earthly anchor on the ship goes down and grips the ground, but our heavenly anchor... Uh, goes upward, is also, also steady and sure because it is anchored in Christ within the veil. We've all heard about the veil, the temple, and uh, the anchor within the veil is the dwelling place of God, God, our most high God. And there's a danger of not having an anchor for our soul. Um... The danger is our life, through our life, we will drift in the storms of life and we could face a shipwreck. Not a physical shipwreck, but a spiritual shipwreck. Um, those that have the anchor of our soul, within the veil we realize that we were rescued from the dangers of a spiritual shipwrecked life. And that verse that I like, I always like to remember this verse because it's, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect the greatest salvation? And I, the answer is there's no escape um, if we don't if we neglect the so great, greatest salvation. I call this the great escape. 
We escape the wages of sin, which is death. And we escape from death to life everlasting when we put our trust and faith in Christ in the finished work of salvation of Christ on the cross, the great escape. The Bible also declares it is appointed man unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And have you heard people make these comments? Think about these comments. Their life is a train wreck. Look at their lives. And have you heard people? Have you talked about people and said they have don't they don't have a moral compass? They are on a path of destruction. They have no anchor for their soul. And you shake your head. You see their life drifting in the wilderness of sin. They are unstable in all their ways. They have their friendship in the world and don't know the peace of God. They walk in the swamp of despair with no hope. You think within your mind, if they only accept Christ, their life would be different. There, God says in his word, I come to give you life and give it more abundantly. I found that experience that in my life. I know I have a more abundant life when I accepted Christ all these years. Even though the trials and tribulations come, I have a more abundant life. And that can be the hope. That's the hope we have for people we see, our lost relatives and other people that we meet, our work, people we work with. They need an anchor for their soul. And then we, so we pray. Pray that they might get saved and their soul will be anchored in things eternal. God looked down on the darkened earth from eternity past to eternity future, and he's seen the world in spiritual darkness. He saw the masses of humanity walking in spiritual darkness. They had no anchor for their soul, so he provided an anchor for their soul, which is Jesus Christ our Lord his only begotten son. So we have an anchor for our soul. The Bible also says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be there be which go therein, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which lead us unto life everlasting. We need to remind ourselves this was our life before we got saved. Twenty, When I was 22, my, my life was anchored in the world and, uh, and in the things of the world. I had no anchor for the soul. I didn't even know there was an anchor for the soul. I was drifting in the sea of life. I didn't even realize I was drifting. That was my normal state. I didn't know anything different but the way of the world. I was lost. I really didn't realize I was lost. Uh, you could, could describe my life as just floating, seeking the happiness and success, money and things of this world. I just drifting along. My friendship was in the world. 
and I was of the world. I did not know the friendship. I did not know that the Bible says friendship with the world is enmity with God. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about God. And I was one of those on the broad way. I think I didn't, I didn't even realize there was a narrow gate. I was on, I guess I was living on Broadway. And uh, I was on the path that led us to destruction. And I'm thankful that God sent a great light to shine on my doctrine path by accepting Christ. I'd like to tell you a little bit about, more about my life. About 15 years ago, I was asked by a pastor in church in Lodi if I give my testimony. And that caused me to stop and think about my life and the past before I got saved and after I got saved. And, I, and so I gave my testimony. I don't remember if it was on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, but I gave my testimony. And I learned many spiritual lessons by reflecting back on my life and how my life had changed after salvation. I learned spiritual lessons. And with the help of many years of sitting under the preaching of the word of God, I had a better understanding of what God did in my life. Um, I, really, I realized that God was with me before I was saved. I realized that, uh, that even before salvation, God was with me. The Bible says the, the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. And uh, it also says we love him because he first loved me. Um, also in uh, Psalms says 139.13, For thou possessed my reins, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. God knows us even before, even before uh, we were born, when we were in the womb. God knew about us. He knew about us before we were saved. He loved us before we were saved. He didn't just love us after we got saved, but even before we got saved, he loved me. So the first eight, eight years of my life was in Wisconsin. And we lived outside of Black River Falls, Wisconsin, seven or eight miles out of town, in the wilderness. There was a highway there, but we lived in a little shack with tar paper shack, no electricity, no running water. And my mom cooked on a wood cook stove we had a little pot belly stove for heat in the winter. I remember as, as kids, we'd go get the water. We'd walk out to the swamp about a quarter mile away and pump the water and carry it in buckets to the house. Our toys were little sticks. We'd go, go out and find a stick, and we'd have boat races in the creek. And that's what we lived in. Uh, I don't, never ate a, a uh, store-bought and bread till after I was eight years old. And then uh, one day, when I was eight, the police came to our school. And the police said, took me and my twin brother out of school and took us to my Aunt Agnes. We didn't know. 
why, but we just got in the police car and took us out to my Aunt Agnes's place. And we didn't find out until the day of the funeral. My mom had passed away. And uh, in a way, we went to the funeral. And, and uh, after the funeral, my dad disappeared. He just vanished. I understand he went to California and Mexico or someplace. But we were, the four of us kids were left there. We were split out four different ways in different homes of, of uh, relatives. And I, they say I had a nervous breakdown. And I was sent to an orphanage in Madison. And uh, I remember that lady was a Christian lady. I was there about six months, and then I was sent to a uh, foster home. Then about uh, three or four years later, my dad resurfaced, and he had a 19-year-old uh, wife, a 19-year-old stepmother, and she was stepmother to four kids. But my dad continued his drinking, and the abuse continued. My mother was a... We lived in a violent home. My dad was an alcoholic, and my mother suffered many batterings. Then my stepmother also suffered batterings. And then in 1961, I was 15. My twin brother was 15, and my older brother was 16. My stepmother and her three kids and my dad, they left Wisconsin for California. And us kids were left there on our own to find it to work and make our own way. The first summer I worked for a farmer. And uh, for the summer when, he had, when his crops were in, he didn't have no need for me. So I went to work for another farmer that had a broken leg. And I milked his cows and fed his hogs and shoveled his manure from the barn. And I very seldom went to school. And uh, one night in the fall, I think it was in November, and uh, this car drives up in the driveway. It was dark. It was about 8 o'clock at night. I'm walking from the barn to the house, and there's this car driving. And the guy driving the car says to me, Sam, get your stuff. You're going with us. I, I must have known who it was, but I have no memory of who it was. But it says, Sam... Get your stuff going with us. So I went to the house and put whatever few belongings I had in a cardboard box and went with him. And he drove me to another farm. A farm farmer called, his name, we called him Swede and Ann. He was, his name was John, but he was known as the Swede. And uh, it was a young couple, probably in the middle 20s. They had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I was like their hired hand. I remember Ann Oman said to me, you need new clothes. I had rags. She said, you need new clothes. And she went to town and she bought new clothes for me. And uh, I thought 40 years later, I'm thinking back on that. And I says, well, God's going to give us some new clothes one day in heaven. And uh, they were kind to me. And... Uh, Swede, one day, told me on a Saturday, he says, Sam, 
you hook up a tractor and you go out to the woods and you load up those fence posts. They load, cut a bunch of fence posts. You load those fence posts up and haul them in. You can have the day off, rest of the day off. I was excited. I was going to be able to get those posts loaded up quickly and I was going to haul them back in and I'm going to hike to town and I'm going to go to the local, local uh, restaurant, diner. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to have milkshakes and french fries and hamburgers. So I, I quickly head out to the, where the, those fence posts are with the tractor and wagon. And I'd stop the tractor and I set the brake and jump off and load a few posts on. And I go from pile to pile. And I got careless. And I uh, quit setting the brake. I pulled up to a pile, put the tractor in neutral, jump off and throw a few posts on, and drive to the next one. This one time that tractor started rolling away. And I'm trying to get between the tractor and the wagon. I'm trying to get back up to the, get the brakes. The tractor is rolling faster and faster. And the posts are flying off the wagon and and it's going faster and faster. The tractor hit a divot in the, in the hill where a tree used to be. Took a big bounce. As it's rolling down the hill, this pieces of the big, the black pieces of rubber flying off the tires and everything. Took a big bounce and I bounced off the tractor into the brush. And uh, the tractor's tipped over and the wagon's partly on the tractor. The steel wheel's bent, gasoline's leaking. Now I gotta go tell Swede. I wrecked this tractor. I don't know what to expect. I thought maybe I'm gonna be dead meat, or I'm not gonna have a place to live. And Swede says to me, let's go take a look at it. And so we hike across to where the tractor is wrecked. He looks at it, and I'll never forget what he said. We can fix that. I'm glad you didn't get hurt. I had some scratches and my clothes were torn, but that I didn't get hurt. I thought about that time, that, that 40 years later as I'm thinking about my life. I thought about what he said. That's kind of like our Heavenly Father. We can go to him with our wrecked life and say, Lord, I wrecked my life. And the Lord will say, we can fix that. But God can fix a wrecked life. And... Uh, I never forget that. And I think back on the time that car drove up and said, Sam, you're going to pick your, get your stuff, you're going with me. Was that the hand of God? Rescued me from a bad situation. I wasn't going to school, but so this car just shows up and I think that I, I see the hand of God has worked in my life even before I got saved. And so that's kind of a little bit of my history. And I think we're out of time. Anyway, I had more to say, but it would take me another half hour. So, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, Swede was like, an, was like a father to me. Uh, Okay, I would like to also say, at 17, I left Sweden Ann.
Um, I didn't graduate high school until I was 23 years old. So I missed so much school, I didn't have enough credits to graduate. So I didn't graduate with my class. So at 17, I had Swede, Ann Oman, drove me and my twin brother to a Greyhound bus stop out in the middle of nowhere. It was just a gas station and a store. We got on, we got on, my brother and I got on a Greyhound bus headed for California. We both went out to California, that's where my dad was, and we had him sign us into the Navy. So I joined the Navy at 17. They called me a kiddie cruiser. I got in at 17 and got discharged on my 21st birthday. And so uh, I went through the Navy and uh, went three and a half years. Then I went to Boston and I was working in Boston and I had a good paying job in a power plant. I had made a lot of money. I had nice clothes. I had a nice Buick convertible with red leather seats. I had a good paying job. And one night someone stole my car. And some teenagers stole it and they had been shoplifting and outdoor riding. They ran into a tree as a total loss. And shortly after that, the place I worked at caught on fire. I lost my job, no car, no job. So I packed my belongings and bought a plane ticket for California. And I started, as soon as I got to California, I bought me another car. I had saved up some money. I started looking for a job. Looked all over San Diego and all over the desert and finally found a job in Pomona, California at a hospital. And uh, there was a old lady, I call her old, I guess she's considered young now. She's probably in her 40s. <laughs> uh, She's she seen this little young engineer walking around and you know, telling people what to do and getting the air conditioning fixed, so dishwashers fixed, and, and, air, and fire alarms. And I ran the boilers and air conditionings and even worked on x-ray machines and they, all that kind of stuff, oxygen, nitrous oxide. She said to me, do you have a girlfriend? I said, no, I'm just new here. She says, I have five daughters. Why don't you come and meet my older daughter, Sandy? <laughs> I was living in a YMCA, and I didn't, so I decided to, uh, to uh, didn't know anybody, so I drove over to her one sat that place one Saturday. They were not expecting me. I knocked on the door, and this girl answered the door with all these curlers in her hair, and it was Sandy. So she took the curlers out, and we went out to see a movie. And after the movie, she says, told me she says that, told me she was a Christian. And she told me she was a Sunday school teacher. And she invited me to go to church with her. And I said, no, I can't. She said, why not? I said, well, I'm a Catholic. She said, you are? What do you believe? I said, well, I don't know. I really didn't know anything. I was, anyway, uh, so she said, well, I said, I don't know anybody. She said, well, you can come sit in my Sunday school class while I teach. So I accepted. I went to church that Sunday and sat in her Sunday school class. And that was my first introduction to the gospel. They had, she would, every week, she would hold up this book. 
and ask those four and five-year-olds, what book was this? And they would shout, the Holy Bible, the Word of God. And then she would ask, is this book true? Those little four and five-year-olds would say, yes, every word is true. Then she would ask, who wrote the Bible? And those little four and five-year-olds would say, God told men what to write. And then she would ask the question, there were four questions. Why did God give us this Bible? And it was to, said the little four and five-year-old says, to tell us of his loving plan, to forgive our sins, and give us everlasting life. That was my first introduction to the gospel. And you know what's important churches, what's happened as a Sunday school, you go to church service. A few weeks after sin and under the preaching of the word, I accepted Christ. I was 22 years old, and it changed my life. And I'm no longer, I have an anchor for my soul, and my life completely changed. And uh, so my life has changed, and I have life more abundantly. And I realized, uh, through looking back, there were times I didn't have a father. And the Bible says, God is a father to the fatherless, and uh, he's a helper to the fatherless. And I realized he loved me even before I loved him. And I realized he knew me in the mother's womb, and he is a help in time of need for, for all of us. So we have the anchor of hope. Our anchor of hope is of noble origin, sent from heaven above, anchored within the veil. It is sure and steadfast. It is anchored to the rock of ages. We sing of rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. So my life and our lives as Christians are anchored within the veil. Our holding ground is heaven. You might say, Within the veil is the royal dock to speak. We could say our soul is anchored in Port Royal. So every time you drive on Port Royal, I want you to know you have an anchor for the soul. Think about that. We have an anchor. Steadfast and sure. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time tonight. And we uh, give you thanks for the so great of salvation. Lord, we ask you to give us safety as we travel home. And we pray.